Thank you for joining us for Mental Health Let's Talk About It. I am your host, Charlene Pickram, the owner of Pick Empowerment, and you're tuned in to CIOE 97.5 Community Radio. And I have two very special guests in with me this evening, and they're both from Langhouse. I have Kyle Kelly and Tyler Simmons. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So um, just... I want to introduce basically what Langhouse is for our listeners because not everybody will be familiar with Langhouse. So who would like to share with us exactly what Langhouse is and the services they provide? Um, I mean, I guess I can start and, uh, <laughs> and, and Tyler can expand on it if he'd like to. Um, so Langhouse is... Uh, is a service for young adults that live with mental mental illness. Um, you have to have a diagnosis to become a member at Langhouse. And uh, basically what we do is we're a drop-in. Um, so people can come and uh, take part in programming that we provide uh, around four different um, portfolios, uh, which would be education and employment, um, peer mentorship, um, Independent living? And uh, community navigation and healthy living. Mm. Um, so those are kind of the four different areas that, that we provide support and, uh, and programming around. Or it's a, it's a place where people can just kind of come um, drop in, meet people with similar experiences that they have, um, work on social skills, and just uh, kind of a safe space where people can grow together. Mm-hmm. And the target age group is? 16, 16 to 29. Yeah, yeah. So, and you guys have satellite groups too, because you're located on Barrington Street, Langhouses, correct? Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay, and the satellite, what does the satellite services look like? What do you got going on? Um, well, the, as a part of our Q community development strategic plan, um, we're working on expanding um, within Nova Scotia. Uh, so, so, so far we've broken ground in two different um, off-site locations, uh, one here in Sackville mm-hmm. um, at the uh, at the Acadia Center, uh, the Sackville Library, and one also um, in Yarmouth. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I'm I actually met uh, Tyler and yeah, Kyle. That's actually where I met you was at the Den. And so we had a little chit-chat, and I got a little information about Lang, and I said, wow, how would you like to come on the show? And that's how you're sitting here today. And then you invited Tyler to to join us, which is great. So, Kyle, what exactly is your role with Langhouse, and how how did you actually become involved with Lang? Um, well, my role at Langhouse is a, is a community support worker. Um, so basically, I uh, manage a portfolio and, and a caseload. Um, my portfolio that I manage, I'm the education and employment coordinator. Okay. So I work with all the youth that are members at Langhouse on reaching education and employment goals. Um, so that can consist from anything from, you know, working on resumes and cover letters to doing campus trips um, to go kind of get a feel about what a, what a post-secondary or get ready to, to go back and complete a high school equivalency can look like. Mm-hmm. Um, um, also, uh, with my with my individual caseload, I work with um, all the youth on reaching their goals. So every six months, we we work together to to point out which goals the youth want to work on, um, where those categories work out, and then we and we track them together to to make sure uh, a lot of different one on one stuff, mm-hmm. um, as well as a lot of program planning, uh, implementation, and facilitation. Nice. And so how many people would you have in your portfolio? Um, well, with the portfolio, actually, I work with everybody okay. who, who's a member at Langhouse. Okay. Um, so any youth that comes through the door that decides that they would like to set a goal in the area of education and employment would be referred to me. Okay. Um, and we would sit down and kind of talk about the different steps that we need to take to help reach those goals. Um yeah, and then my and then with my caseload, um, I pretty much just work with them on any of their goals, and um, 
and just really are there to provide support for them in any of the areas that they're trying to achieve success in. Mm -hmm. And so currently you're coming out here to Sackville on every Monday and Tuesday to help out at the den. Yes, I've, uh, I've recently um, come out to the den. I'm here every Monday and Tuesday uh, when we're open between... Um, we're open between 2 and 8 mm -hmm. um, for any individuals ages uh, 13 to 24. Um, it's been a really amazing experience. Uh, we also, Langhouse, part of our community development group, we run a, uh, some intentional programming called the Friend Zone. Mm -hmm. um, so that's for anybody ages... Uh, ages 16 to 19. Okay. Um, so that's kind of a part of our con contribution from Langhouse um, to the to the den space. And uh, and yeah, we're, we're just, we've had a lot of great success with it so far and, and we're looking forward to kind of building on that and making sure that uh, all the youth in the different communities, including here in Sackville, have a place where they can uh, go and feel safe and, and be able to kind of, be able to kind of work on creating a network and, and a network of support that they can rely on and, you know, just really working towards, um, working towards maintaining health and, and having good coping strategies. Mm, nice. Well, I'm glad that you've came to Sackville. You're welcome here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I love it. I really enjoy being out here. So, Tyler, you have a different role with Lang. Can you explain to our listeners exactly what your role is? Yeah, so I'm a uh, peer support worker at Langhouse. Um, basically, my role is to, um, like, I have lived experience, mm -hmm. and um, that's a requirement when being a peer support worker. Um, a big role is to give um, give members hope and relate to them. Mm -hmm. I'm able to um, say, yeah, I've been through similar things to you. I've went through like the healthcare system, um, things about different medications, um, mm -hmm. different ways that I cope with my anxiety and depression, like how I use um, mindfulness. Um, I try to bring that there a lot. And um, just a lot of different things that have helped me, mm -hmm. I, um, I try to bring to Langhouse. So, um, they can see that and say, oh, Tyler's doing it, so I can do it too. Um, yeah. And just act as an inspiration for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So how long have you been with Lang? Uh, it's been three years now. Three years, three years. is it yeah. really? Yeah. Okay, because I've seen you everywhere <laughs> on my little journeys with educating myself with mental health and mental illness. Um, and, and I know that I try to contact you separate from Langhouse and yeah. you are full out. Mm -hmm. so, so how many hours do you contribute to Lang? Um, I'm there four days a week okay. now. Um, yeah, but I definitely do a lot of public speaking and like filmmaking and stuff like that too. Yes. Yeah. And that's part of your strategy of giving back. Yeah, so I, um, all of the public speaking and stuff that I do, it's a way of, it's like a therapy for me. Mm-hmm. But it's also um, just helping people who have been in my position and needed somebody that they could relate to. Um, mm. I think that's really important. People really need someone that they can look at and say, okay, I'm not the only person that has been through this. Yeah. And it helps them through the recovery, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, and I totally agree. It's someone with depression, anxiety due to burnout, vicarious trauma, all those things. Um, you know, at one point I was in the hole and... There wasn't a whole lot of hope in my mind. Mm -hmm. And being able to recognize that other people have come through and are living well yeah. is so important. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're, you're at Lang and people come in and, and you're just there to have those conversations. Yeah. And 
a really big part of it is just listening mm. and genuinely caring and active listening, not just being there and kind of waiting to speak. Um, yeah. It's really just taking in the things that they're saying and letting them know that if they need to talk, they can come to you. And mm-hmm. it's a really good, um, it's a really good space for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so, did you have to take any programs or training? Because being able to actively listen is a real skill. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, before I got to Langhouse, I didn't really have any type of training at all. Okay. Um, I did do some, like different um, like mental health first aid and assist training and Mm -hmm. um, stuff like that but before getting to Langhouse I actually was meeting up with people um, for coffee and just talking to them about what was going on in their life and just listening Um, and definitely when I was doing that before I got to Langhouse that actually um it kind of gave me the skill to know um, how to interact with people when they're Mm -hmm. going through things and they just really want to get something off of their chest. Um, And also just from my own experience, I know I just needed people to listen to me Mm -hmm. instead of like always want to give me advice and stuff. And solve the problem. Yeah. Because that's the one thing I really loved about Lang is the empowerment, right? So I'm pick empowerment. That's my vision and values is to help empower individuals to live well. Mm-hmm. And that is also Langhouse's mission is to empower individuals who, <clears throat> excuse me, who have mental health or mental illness to find strategies to live well. And it's possible. Yeah. And you're a living example of that. Mm-hmm. And so how many other peer support workers are there at Lang? Right now, it's me and one other person. Okay. Okay. So that's why you're there four days a week then. Yes. (laughs) And so it is a Monday to Friday program, correct? Um, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're open Monday to Friday. Um, and we also do, uh, a brunch on Saturdays once, once a month. Okay. All right. Because that's always kind of the issue when we have certain services, you know, the nine to five or I know you're, you know, in Sackville to eight o'clock, but mental health doesn't stop on a Friday. And I think that's a big part of of obviously what Tyler and what I do um, in our roles is, you know, give people the strategies that they need to be able to live well and in the times when you aren't able to access resources. Mm, Because I think a lot of times those are the most important times Mm -hmm. when when it seems like there is nowhere to go and and hope might be a little bit less than than it would usually be. That, you know, in the times that you were able to access our services, um, you can kind of draw back on that knowledge and those experiences and and use those um, to make it through some of the tougher times. Yeah. Definitely. And so we're going to take our first break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Kyle Kelly and Tyler Simmons from Langhouse. You're listening to Mental Health. Let's talk about it on CIOE 97.5 Community Radio. Welcome back to Mental Health. Let's talk about it. I'm Charlene Pickram, and we are talking with Kyle Kelly and Tyler Simmons from Langhouse. And during the break, we just had an awesome conversation. Sometimes I think we should tape ourselves during the break. Um, but we were talking about mindfulness. And Tyler, this is your focus. And this has definitely benefited you with your mental illness, correct? Yes, it definitely has. Um, yeah, everywhere I go, I try to bring that mindful presence. Um, everyone, most people definitely seem to be caught into like the go, go, go 
of society. It's like we're always so busy. Everyone's mm -hmm. all on the go. Things like our phones. Um, it can be so distracting, and we can forget that um, we have so much that we need within. Mm -hmm. And um, that definitely has helped me a lot on my journey. And I share that with a lot of people, just different strategies like um, meditation. Um, I tell people that the answers that we need, they're all within. Mm -hmm. All we have to do is focus within and... Um, Sometimes just think about the thoughts that we have. And um, it's like this practice that I do is um, I'll actually be anxious about something and then I'll think about that. Mm -hmm. And then I'll think about why I'm thinking about it in that way. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's something that I'm really stressed about. Mm -hmm. Usually, like 90% of the time, I'll come to this conclusion of like, it's really not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> so why are you stressing so much about it? Yeah. And I'll just feel silly about it and laugh it off and things will get a lot better. Yeah. yeah. So is it the cognitive behavioral therapy that you're utilizing while you're reflecting on it? Because that was the big thing for me was the twisted thinking in my brain. I was creating my own anxiety mm -hmm. Yeah. by, you know, all these things that could happen. And so how I do it now is I take it right to the very end. Well, what if this does happen? What is the worst case scenario? And will you live through it? Yeah. Well, you will. Yeah, you will. <laughs> you will. Yeah. Right? And But if you deny yourself of that, you know, that's an opportunity mm -hmm. when your mind tricks you into that anxious state where you're unwilling to take that opportunity. You miss out. Definitely. And it's so powerful when you realize that you have power over these <laughs> thoughts. Um, in tools like um, meditation and even like the flotation tank. I yeah. get into the flotation tank a lot. Nice. And um, I've done some neurofeedback um, things like this, they, it's like they give you the tools that you need to mm. help you have more control over your thoughts. And it's funny because having control over your thoughts is kind of, you have to just let go instead of wanting to have so much control. Mm. The, the powerful thing, like the most powerful, um, the most power that you can have over your brain is when you are like, okay, I'm just going to let go. Yeah. That's when you have the most power. Yeah. yeah. And that's when you can really hear what is happening yeah. with your body. And when you're talking about, you know, the fast-paced world, we do not slow down enough to say, my body's telling me I'm stressed. I yeah. need to take a break. Um, I'm a big, my, uh, big breather. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's what I learned from my yoga. Um, and I will stop several times in a day and just lay somewhere and close my eyes and just do the deep breathing and just do a body check. Yeah. And now I know where my stress lies in my body mm -hmm. and identify what is causing that stress. And then, okay, well, that, that's what's causing it. Let it go. Yeah. Just let it go. And it, and it sounds easy. It's not. It takes practice. It does. Yeah. So practice, practice, practice. And so we during the break, we we're having a great conversation about Kyle was saying, you know, I don't have uh, mental illness. But, of course, all of us have mental health. So what have you learned about self? <clears throat> well, like you said, um, you know, to kind of put it in a different perspective um, from someone who doesn't live with a mental health diagnosis um, and realizing that, you know, everybody has 
mental health that they need to manage mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> through the time that I've spent with Tyler and how our relationship is, has grown over these past three years and through his program facilitation at Langhouse with, you know, his meditation group and his yoga and even creating a, a mindfulness space within mm-hmm. within the building. Um, you know, I've been able to adapt to some of those strategies and participate in some of those programs and uh really noticed a difference on my own mental health and uh, to, you know, be able to kind of avoid some of those frontline um, issues that frontline workers can run into, like burnout and, um, you know, compassion fatigue. Uh, So just being able to kind of participate and educate myself around mindfulness, which is, you know, really trending up in in the world of mental health and, and recovery and being able to being able to implement strategies, um, you know, it's had a profound effect on on myself and and my own performance and, and how I'm able to support people at my work. And, you know, for lack of a better term, it's really helped keep my head in the game yeah. um, where I've where I've also been able to grow personally. And uh, but at the same time, still be able to use these strategies in my professional life and uh, to keep myself in the best position to be able to support the members at Langhouse. And that's it right there, folks. That's the bottom line. If you're a frontline worker and you are not looking after your own mental health well-being, you are not serving your clients properly because you're not going to be effective. And the long-term consequences are burnout, vicarious trauma, compassion fatigue, potentially post-traumatic stress disorder, all of these things which all of a sudden individuals who haven't had a mental illness diagnosis are having mental illness diagnoses. So you can be proactive. You don't have to have mental illness to practice mindfulness or yoga or you know examine your emotional well-being. It is so important to maintain our mental health well-being in that way. And so you guys have different strategies at Lang to support your mental health well-being and kind of give you a break from your work. What are those? Because you mentioned one this morning when we were talking about our phones. Not not being connected with your email. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, so, so, yeah, I think, you know, uh, a big part of, of what we of what we do is, you know, we're, we're very, um, Start yeah, we're very we're very cognizant, and like you talked about a bit about like living vicariously through other people, and and kind of taking on some of the problems that that our that our members have, um, you know, just really being able to separate our personal lives from our professional lives. Um, uh, a way that we do that is, you know, not having the not having the tools that we use at work outside of work, mm-hmm. being able to separate the two, um, you know, really being able to, to do different things. Like for me, one thing, you know, exercise, um, being able to go to the gym and kind of a, a place where I can go and focus and take my mind off of everything that, that I may encounter or experience in the workplace. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's even another form of mindfulness as, as well that, uh, that I've been able to implement. Um, and just really, you know, putting things in perspective about how you need to treat yourself um, to make sure that you can that you can maintain maintain a good mental health. Mm, it grounds you. Mm-hmm. Grounding, great, yeah. great word. Yeah, and and so for me, my spirituality has to do with nature, and so oh, I love to have bare feet to ground myself. Not so much Me right too. now, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, go out and lay down in the grass or walk mm-hmm. through the woods or, you know. So what other strategies are you using, um, Tyler, other than, you know, the mindfulness, the yoga? Um, because obviously you like your bare feet in the grass too. I do. Um, it can get tough, like doing work like this because um, you just get caught up with trying to help others so much that you start to forget about these strategies Mm -hmm. that you have. Um, 
But it's so important to take that time to get back on track with that stuff Mm -hmm. if you feel yourself starting to fall off a bit with it. Um, Nature is definitely huge for me. I feel like everything just leaves. Like, I feel like um, when I get really anxious and a bit depressed, I feel like I have these weights attached to me. And it's hard to get out of bed. It's hard to um, go places and socialize with people. Once I get into nature and I'm just sitting by the water, Mm. those weights just start to come off. Um, And that helps me a lot. Um, That and meditation and yoga and the flotation tank, Mm. um, those are like my main things. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sur- uh, surrounding yourself with individuals that you feel yeah. safe with, and we'll we'll call you on. Yeah. That's really important. <laughs> I have a really good support system now. Um, people that will, if they see that I'm becoming unwell, they'll mm-hmm. call me out on it and say, "Okay, you need to chill and yeah. stop going, working so hard, and just." pushing yourself and practice what you preach. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. definitely have to be reminded of yeah. that a lot. Yeah. Are you are you talking the talk or are you walking the walk? Yeah. A hypocrite. It's important. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and I think that I think that one thing that, you know, um I've observed moving moving through um, you know, the experiences that I've had at Langhouse and, you know, overlooking some of the systemic issues that, that there are within the healthcare system. Um, it's it's really important to, to maintain and use that support system that is there. So, you know, psychologists and psychiatrists, um, educating yourself on your medication and, and mm. how going through medication changes might affect your body and your mental health. Um, you know, even those, even though sometimes those things can be difficult and frustrating, um, it's still, it's still an important aspect of self-care and recovery, um, that that needs to be maintained uh, when you know trying to trying to move through um, some of the more difficult times and experiences that you may have. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to finish up our conversation with Kyle Kelly and Tyler Simmons from Langhouse. You're listening to Mental Health. Let's talk about it on CIOE ninety-seven point five Community Radio. Welcome back to Mental Health. Let's talk about it. I'm Charlene Pickram, and we're talking with Kyle Kelly and Tyler Simmons from Langhouse. And so we kind of talked a little bit about Kyle and Tyler's roles. And now I want to ask Kyle, what education do you have and what have you learned in your first three years at Langhouse? Um... Well, myself, uh, I have a psychology degree um, in applied psychology, which I did at Bishop's University in Sherbrooke, Quebec. Um, then, when I when I finished up there, I uh, I came back to I came back to Halifax. Um, kind of tried to find my niche and had a little bit of difficulty being able to do that um, mm-hmm. with the with the lack of experience that I had. Um, so I decided to re-enroll to an advanced diploma program with uh, NSCC um, at the Annapolis Valley campus in Middleton, um, where I did the behavioral interventions program. Nice. Um, so actually, a part of that a part of that program was uh, was a six week work placement, um, and my work placement actually was at Langhouse. Mm. Um, so I was able to to go there and really get a good layout of the land and. And you know, learn about their mission statement and and some of the things that they were able to do, and um, you know, with my personality and experience, they, it really clicked together. Nice. Um, so I was able to do that, and then once once I kind of wrapped that up and completed my course, um, they kept me on as a casual for I think about four or five months, uh, and then eventually, when a when a permanent position became available. Um, you know, I had to throw my hat in the ring, <laughs> and uh, and uh, everything kind of worked out, and, and I've been there for the past three years now. Mm. Um, <clears throat> as as far as growth goes over the past three years that I've been there, I think it's just, you know, 
being flexible, being a calming influence, um, being able to to kind of react to whatever comes through the door. Um, because, you know, a lot of times, one thing that I say is a lot of times that you can you can really read somebody's mood and the place that they're in as soon the second they walk through that door. Um, and being able to to kind of react and uh, and and guide a person to to be able to put a situation in perspective is uh, definitely a big part of the growth that I've been able to experience. Mm, helping them see things objectively without that emotional impact yeah and i think i think it comes like like tyler mentioned earlier i think it comes back to the word hope right mm. um kind of trying to maintain that level of how hope even when things can seem quite bleak and uh just being able to to kind of be that positive influence to to help move people through some of the harder times and uh like one of the things that we always talk about is is and when you're in recovery um recovery being non-linear you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you, sometimes you take uh, five steps forward, and uh, sometimes you take three steps back. Sometimes yeah. you take seven steps back. But just knowing that um, recovery continues to move forward, mm-hmm. um, and it's a lifelong experience, and uh, and and being able to to navigate and and then move through to the better times is is really important part of recovery to put into perspective. Yeah, I love that. I don't think I've heard it quite like that. Um, but as somebody who has mental illness, I, I totally agree. There are some days where I am rocking it, like loving life. And then the next day I could wake up and I could be, you know, in the bucket and, and not feeling great. Um, but knowing that you have those good days does provide you hope, but you have to have them. So what... Uh, in regards to that, Tyler, so you've been with Kyle basically this three years because you both got hired around the same time. Yeah. You you are in different positions, but you're kind of, you know, you're working towards the same goals and missions. But because your perspective is different, how do you maintain your mental health on top of working with individuals? Because there's that concern of, burnout, compassion fatigue, vicarious trauma, all of those things. So you already have strategies to maintain your mental health well-being, but now you're thrown into a whole nother kettle of fish. So how do you, and I guess your team, help each other deal with those impacts of caring for others? Hmm. Well, it's not easy mm-hmm. at all. No. Um, and it's a process. It's it's something I still need to keep working on and um, still keep trying to figure out. Um, something I don't think I'll ever have it all figured out. No. <laughs> um, and that's okay. Um, but it's definitely good having like coworkers like Kyle who are um, who I know are there for me that, like, if I'm having a bad day, I can go to them and say, I feel terrible today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, it's just really good to be in an environment where I I don't have to feel like I'm being judged for that. Um, A lot of workplaces, you have to um, pretend that you Mm -hmm. are feeling well. When you're not, you have to... um, basically put this mask on. Uh, Langhouse, you don't really need to do that. Definitely I have times where I have to remind myself um, that I don't have to do that because it can be really hard to yes. um, to remember that. Um, I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs> it's all right. So, but I, I get what you mean about, you know, having that safe place. Um, and it's funny, I had a conversation with somebody recently about, you know, when I was really depressed and most people weren't really cluing in because I was putting on the mask, right? And Mm -hmm. they said, you can hide a lot behind that smile. And that's all I did. I just put the smile on. And when someone said, 
how are you doing? And I went, great, fine, wonderful. Um, and I think that that's an interesting question is, you know, as a society, we constantly ask people, how are you? But we've also gone to that point that when we ask that question, we're really not asking it because we want to know. Yeah. Right? So, so what, do you, what do we ask people to have a conversation um, and get them engaged once again about really caring about each other? So what do you guys ask people when they come in the door, or do you? Do you wait for them to start a conversation? A lot of the time I will wait um, and just not pressure somebody to um, talk about how they're feeling. Mm. Um, sometimes certain people I definitely feel comfortable with going up to them and asking, how are you feeling? Um, yeah. Or even if I feel like they seem to be a bit down, I'll just ask, do you want to go and talk for a bit or something? Mm -hmm. um, but it's definitely just, even like the work that I do outside of Langhouse, it's mm -hmm. a lot of me just trying to get people to understand that it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And... It's okay to talk about these things that we're so afraid to talk about. And it's, mm. in, it's really scary talking about your feelings. Um, but I try to make it an environment where we can be comfortable with saying, I don't feel good today, I mm. feel sad, um, and just being open and vulnerable. Yeah, and I think why it's so difficult for people is because we've never been taught to identify really how we're feeling and how do you express that? Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to remember that, you know, when an individual is living with a mental health diagnosis, um, you know, things can present in a lot of different ways. Mm. Um, so, you know, what might seem like a typical baseline to, to, uh, to one person may not be as typical to another. So, you know, just kind of really building those relationships um, and the rapport with our members that we work with every single day mm -hmm. goes a long way to for us to being able to identify, <clears throat> you know, when there are some of those harder days and uh, being able to kind of facilitate the right kind of support that the individual needs in that moment. Mm -hmm. So I think really... You know, creating those relationships goes a long way in recognizing when and how we can best support each person that comes through that door. Yeah, I totally agree. Because it's like you said, once you have a relationship with somebody, you have that rapport. They know there's that psychological safety there. The one, they're willing to walk in the door when they're really having a crisis because they know it's a safe place. They know that their needs are going to be met. Um, but it's also great that to be proactive, right? So I don't want to just walk in your door every time I'm having a crisis. I want to walk in your door when I'm having a good day too and say, these are the strategies that are working mm -hmm. for me. And you know, that was great that we worked on that and, and then building upon that. And I think, <clears throat> I think that's really the beauty of what Langos is, is, you know, one of the biggest parts of what we do there is our program facilitation. And we, deliver such a diverse amount of program facilitation mm -hmm. that uh that you know people can come in and really find what best suits their needs mm -hmm. um like it can be anything from you know we have a stress management group to um drop in our programming where individuals come in and work on work on our, um <clears throat> work on a designated our project that day all the way to you know me and tyler run a group um, called men's group where oh, we nice. talk about toxic masculinity in society. So we really have something for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the most important part is because everybody's, everybody's obstacles and boundaries are, are so individual to them that we just try to create a place where there's something for everybody. Yeah. Um, and we really want to be able to, 
to give everybody that opportunity to to look into their recovery and see exactly what they need and then and then be able to come to Langhouse and, and pick and choose and, and find the things that that best fit what's best fit the tools that they need for their recovery mm-hmm. yeah that masculine toxicity is really coming to the forefront I find recently so good for you guys for taking that on and both of you being male fantastic in a world where we know predominantly we have female frontline workers right so we're going to take our next break and when we come back we'll continue our conversation with kyle kelly and tyler simmons from langhouse you're listening to mental health let's talk about it i'm your host charlene pickram and we'll be back in a moment In the final segment of Mental Health, let's talk about it on CIOE 97.5 FM. I'm going to continue my conversation with Kyle Kelly and Tyler Simmons from Langhouse. And so Tyler and I were kind of giggling, which really, well, hey, what else can you do? About how so many of us with mental illness all of a sudden believe that we have done all the work we need to do and we're feeling pretty good and then we go off our medication so what's your experience with that i um in the beginning when i first started taking antidepressants i've done i did that a lot um started feeling better and was like okay i don't need this anymore so Mm -hmm. i just stopped taking it and i feel that I feel that doctors should, like, they should definitely stress it. Yeah. <laughs> do not come off of your medication mm. without telling me. And if you do, like, we have to wean you off. And, wean. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's really hard when you just come off cold turkey. Mm-hmm. And I found that out the hard way. Um, and it also takes a long time to find the right medication a lot of times um it took me about five years to find the medication that i was like okay this is the one that i want to stick with Mm -hmm. um because there's so many different side effects that come along with them and with me i get some side effects from all of them and Mm -hmm. it was just about okay which one works best and gives me side effects that i can manage best Um, yeah and i try to tell people that a lot that um to not be discouraged if a medication doesn't work for you and Mm -hmm. to not be afraid to go to the doctor and say okay i don't like this medication this is going wrong can you find me something new um Mm -hmm. or can you give me some advice on what i can do to um deal with these side effects that I have yeah yeah the side effects are you know particularly decrease in sex drive Mm -hmm. when you're a young person and you have a relationship it is extremely difficult to you know you you want to maintain mentally well um, but you also want to live what you think is a normal life in a normal relationship Mm -hmm. And if that person doesn't have an understanding that potentially at some point one of these medications may impact your sex drive, Mm -hmm. it can be damaging to a relationship. Yeah, definitely. Mm. It's it's tough figuring it out. Um, Definitely, like even when I was prescribed an antidepressant I had some side effects and I went to my doctor and he said okay I'm going to give you this other antidepressant to take with it Mm. (laughs) that will take away some of those side effects yeah but that antidepressant that he gave me has its own side (laughs) effects so it's like okay we gotta you have to sit down and go through these things and really think Mm -hmm. okay what do I want to do here Um, yeah because at times I did take on other antidepressants to um, help the side effects from another antidepressant. Mm-hmm. But that antidepressant has its own side effects. So it's like, 
adding even more <laughs> side effects. It is, yeah. yeah. It's like a whole other condition. Yeah. Just dealing with the side effects exactly. from your medication. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I like what you said about doctors really need to tell their patients, and I get that. Like, I know my doctor did tell me, don't just drop these cold mm -hmm. turkey. You have to be weaned off. And, you know, you think you know what weaned off means, too, and it's a long process. Yeah. Um, so being aware and having that education and not just leaving it up to your doctor. Yeah, exactly. It's important to also know how like food affects you um, mm -hmm. in exercise and things like that. Like gaining um, weight. Yeah, it's so important for your mental health. Like, I I look at food now as medicine. Mm -hmm. I feel it is. Yeah. Um, um, and. Even when I've weaned off of medications before, I remember I even went vegan at one point while I was uh, yeah. weaning off of medication, and that really helped me a lot. Yeah. Um, I lost some weight, but <laughs> mentally I was really clear. And, Crisp, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and it does. I mean, again, uh, eating is one of our five pillars of mental health well-being. So, you know, it does play a big, big role. Yeah. And finding what works for you is important. Um, and I think, I think uh, you know, it kind of comes back to the point that we were talking about earlier about, you know, recovery being nonlinear and mm. being a lifelong process. Um, you know, your, your body's going to change over time. Um, you know, medication that may have worked at one point later on, you know, may not have as much success because of the way that your body's changing. Um, so it's really just being conscious about understanding your own symptoms and your own side effects, like Tyler spoke about earlier, um, being able to recognize when you're when the medication that you're on may not be as effective anymore. Um, you know, and also understanding that that just as you know, how difficult it can be to be weaned off of medication, um, you know, giving it the appropriate amount of time for it to become effective is important yes. as well. Yeah, that's really <laughs> good you know, it's not the type of thing where, you know, you like Tyler spoke about, it took him five years to, to find the right yeah. medication that, that was best for him. Mm -hmm. um, so just keeping it in perspective and, and knowing that it's, it's not the type of thing where you're going to take your medication and then you're going to be fixed because yeah. um, that's just not really how it works. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and being conscious and that'll kind of educating yourself on those type of things will make the journey a little bit easier mm -hmm. um, when really trying to find what the best combination of medication, um, you know, coping strategies, mindfulness, it's going to be different for everybody. Yes. Um, don't be hard on yourself, love yourself and give yourself the opportunity to find what works best for you because everybody is an individual and everybody is different. Yeah. That compassion yeah. piece is humongous. Um, that's something that I had to learn was compassion for self during my healing process. Um, and, and yeah, just, it is, it's not a quick fix no. and, and it's really not a fix. It's mm -hmm. something to help us. Yeah. It is a strategy for sure. Um, yeah, so that would, you know, when you were speaking, I was thinking that is so key. This is not a quick process. Yeah. It is a lifelong process that you need to accept and adopt into your life and surround people surround yourself with people who are willing to go on that journey with you and support you through that journey and so speaking about that in in regards to how do we get people to support us what is the referral process for lang like how do you become a member how does that all work um so, um, you know, if, if you've heard me and Tyler talk today and you think that Langhouse might be uh, a great support for you, um, there's two different ways that you can become a member. Um, one is through referral of a clinician. 
so that could be an OT, an RT, a psychologist, a general practitioner. Um, so someone that's a part of your support system that you see on a regular basis. Um, they can refer you as, as a member, which you can find online at, uh, at langhouse.org. Or you can come on in. Um, and fill out and do a self-referral and mm. fill out our referral form and, and get a tour of Langhouse yes. and, and really see our amazing space. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> uh, really see our amazing space. And, um, and then basically what the only criteria is for, for to become a member is to have a mental health diagnosis. Um, once you complete the, the referral, then uh, you go into our intake process. Uh, um, someone from Langhouse will reach out to confirm your diagnosis with your mental health clinician. Mm. Um, and then after that happens, uh, you'll be given, you'll be put on a caseload um, to a community support worker. So you could get paired up with someone like myself. Mm -hmm. um, and then that that support worker will contact you and uh, bring you in for a welcome orientation um, to kind of, you know, explain some things like community standards and the different types of programs and, mm. you know, all the different things that Langos has to offer. And then after that, it's uh, you're, you're available to come in and access the services. Um, you know, a big part of that we talk about is, you know, picking and choosing the different things at Langhouse that work for you and, and, and creating your own schedule. Mm -hmm. um, if you had any more questions, you could always reach out to us at uh, 902-425-9018. Um, we're open Monday to Friday. Uh, Mondays and Fridays from 10 till 530. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from 10 till 730. And if you have any questions, uh, you know, we're more than welcome to, to sit down and, and hash those out um, and make sure that you can find the best supports that, that match your journey. Mm. So the only issue I see there is uh, you have to be diagnosed. So what if somebody doesn't have a practitioner? Do you have an ability to refer somebody or send them somewhere? Um, so as we know, um, you know, in this province, there is a bit of a lack of, of clinicians uh, that are available within the community. Um, once you become a member at... Langhouse, we are able to refer you to other agencies. Um, but what I would suggest, uh, if you don't have someone in the immediate time, um, would be to reach out to your local community mental health team, mm -hmm. and uh, nice. and and they may be able to hook you up with a clinician that can kind of get that process started for you. Beautiful, thank you. Because that is is a real issue for individuals um, who who are. Um, you know, living day to day with mental illness and haven't really started that process yet. You know, you're, you don't usually have a doctor if you haven't yet been diagnosed, right? Um, so that's fantastic. I want to thank both of you for coming in today and uh, sharing your wealth of information regarding, you know, your personal um, experiences as well as the services that are uh, provided at Lang House. You're listening to Mental Health. Let's talk about it. I'm your host, Charlene Pickram, and on behalf of myself and my producer, Jim Francis, be empowered. <laughs>